I want to welcome Agile XRM to the podcast. I've known the people at Agile XRM for the past 12 years. I've seen how their business process management tool can add massive value to complex organizational processes in sectors such as finance and government. If you have complex processes or a need for dialogues on the Power Platform or Dynamics 365, take a look at how this BPM tool can add value. You can find them at agilexrm.com or check out the show notes for more details. Welcome to the MVP show. Before we chat with today's guest, there's a quick message from our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by the 90-Day Mentoring Challenge. I read once that the best way to be successful is help other people become successful, which is why I provide this program for free. If you want to be mentored in the next 90-Day Mentoring Challenge, uh, feel free to go to nz365guy.com forward slash mentoring. Crazily enough, there's already 300 people enrolled uh, for the next intake. So crazy good times. With that, let's get on with the show. Today's guest is from Georgia in the US of A. He works as an architect at Hitachi Solutions America. He runs a YouTube channel called Dynamics Post. He's an avid woodworker, mainly turning items on his lathe like bowls and pens. He also enjoys leather work and has made a wallet that he actually carries today um, of his own design. Outside of work, he enjoys creating things using his hands rather than technology. You can check him out on Twitter at Scott underscore Gaines or at his blog, uh, dynamicspost.com. Welcome to the show, Scott. Oh, thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me. Did I get that all right on the intro? Every bit of it was right and every bit of it was correct. Wow, 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 wow. I always like to start these things off and, you know, because we've not met before. You're an MVP that has come into the program since the last MVP summit that was in person, which is, of course, an increasing number these days. Um, tell us a bit about food, family, and fun for you. Yeah, so um, I've been married to my wife. We're, we're going on 18 years now and uh, no children, but um, we just uh, – been trying to make it through through this this pandemic mess, you know, just just trying to make it through. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. Favorite foods in Georgia? Tell me a bit about Georgia. I don't know much about Georgia. Yeah, so I live I live a little bit um, northeast of Atlanta, Georgia. Um, we're we live there's a lake nearby that we we we've got a boat and we we hang out on the lake all the time. It's just just a great place to live. You know, there's you know we get our four seasons. You know, we get a fall and a summer. Um, really, really nice place to live. Really, really great place to live. I've lived here all my life. I actually live in a town called Gainesville. It is not named after us. Is that right? Yeah. Is that right? Is yeah. it like, as in, did your ancestors build a town? No, it's actually, it's named after a, after a, a Mexican war general, American Mexican war general. But, um, but yeah, my family's actually lived here since before it was named that. Wow. Wow. Incredible. It's an interesting fun fact. I have a hunting and fishing license for Georgia. Oh, really? Yeah. I said, that is interesting. <laughs> yeah, how random is that? Yeah, right? no. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was at a conference there. I went to a um, uh, Gus Gonzalez took us to a gun range, and um, and I needed to. I wanted to shoot a fifty caliber uh, rifle, and so you weren't allowed to shoot that in the gun region unless you had a hunting and fishing license for Georgia. So I had to get a hunting and fishing license in Georgia to be did, able to Did they ask gun. you any questions or did they just take your money and just sit here? I just take the money, sign, yeah. the, sign the form. <laughs> there you go. You got your license. Thank you very much. Yeah. Awesome. Well done. 
I don't know. It was like, I don't know. As in, I know that every time I pulled the trigger, it was like $12 a shell because they're, they're big shells and, um, and that's a, a powerful gun. I've never, you know, been in a situation where you can see the, the, the sound wave coming off the end of the, the, uh, the gun every time you pulled the trigger. And of course you couldn't hold it single handed. It had to be tripoded. It was so large. Yeah, that is definitely a large round going down range. Yeah. It's a sniper rifle, I think. It's, yeah, it um, is. It is. You know? It'll go through a cinder block wall, a concrete block yeah. wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was amazing. It was amazing. Definitely had to have uh, earmuffs on for that one. Yep. Um, yeah, so that was my, my – uh, I've been to Georgia probably, I don't know how many times, three, four times because of the conference center in Atlanta. Oh, yeah. So I live, like I said, I live about an hour northeast of Atlanta. I generally tell people Atlanta because nobody knows where, you know, where, where the, my, my town is. But, uh, yeah, so it's about an hour northeast, um, up by, um, we've got the lake up here and the, and the, the Atlanta Falcons football team's camp is right here too. So. Wow. Very cool. And is the lake, does it get, uh, like seasonally, what happens? Does it freeze over or is it always? No, no, it, ne- it never gets that cold here. Like we may get one snowfall a year here. Um, but yeah, I mean, we get down in the, in the thirties in the, in the winter time. So it never gets really, really cold. So we can use it from about April to October, you know? Yeah. Okay. So awesome. And so you don't really go to the ocean there though, right? Yeah. Actually the Gulf is about, um, about six or eight hours from us. So, you know, it's a week, it's a weekend trip, but yeah, yeah, we'll go down there. Nice. Nice. Tell us about how you got into tech. You know, what was your journey? Yeah, so I, I started off. Um, I was working for a, a small auto parts company, and I was going to college at the same time. and And my degree was in computer science, so I kind of um, they they did a system change. So, and I led that system change. I did that, and the vendor that did it actually recruited me. They, you know, they they saw that that um, that I was was pretty good at it, you know, and and was able to they help them migrate systems. So a little bit after that was done, I, um, uh, I went work to work for that first vendor and it wasn't a dynamics vendor. It was a, um, just, a uh, there was, they did warehouse. It was an ERP system, but it was a kind of homegrown system. And then I worked for them a while for, you know, six, seven years. And then, then actually I switched to a, another company that did the same sort of thing, automotive and warehousing software. And then, um, uh, then I actually I finally ended up at Hitachi. I've been at Hitachi for uh, seven years. Initially started off with their field service program. You know they, they had their own custom field service before Microsoft had their yeah they had theirs. their own their own field service system right before uh, Microsoft bought the the uh, Field One product. Yeah, so I did that for for a while, and then I, I transitioned over to fully to to D three sixty five. Yeah. So are you mainly mainly working with Field One now? Oh, sorry, <laughs> Dynamics three six five Field Service. Um, is that is that the main tool, or are you right across the stack? No, I'm actually I'll I'll do anything, but mainly I'm, I'm on the on the finance and operations side now. Like uh, that's kind of where I, I was more of an operations person. The field service was kind of a I'll call it a di- diversion. I wanted to try something new, and uh, so I, so I tried that for a while, and then when that kind of went away, I, I went back to the uh, the finance and operations side. Yeah. So FNO, as we were calling it up to recent times, what, what's been the change there? Like why, what's, you know, cause I'm not as close to that side of the, the stack as obviously you are. And tell me about 
why the separation from Microsoft and going away from calling it finance and operations? Um, what what are you seeing the trend or the hap- what's happening in the 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 finance side of things with Dynamics three six five? Well, it's funny. Everybody, even in Microsoft, it seems like they're still calling it finance and operations. You'll hear every once in a while they'll say finance if you're only talking about finance. But but if you're talking about the supply chain, it's always called, referred to as F and O. And I think that's because you can't run the supply chain without the finance side. It's not like any of the CE apps where you can it can be standalone for you know field service, for example. If you're going to run supply chain, you have to have the finance side, so they have to go together. So. So the weird thing is, like, if you look on their website, um, they are very specifically now calling out Dynamics um, Finance as a thing rather than, you know, they used to have it under the category of finance and operations. So if I look at finance right now on, on Microsoft's website, it says... Uh, you know, at, at a high level heading, you've got customer data platform, supply chain, sales, small, medium business service, HR, marketing, finance, and commerce and project management. And really finance and operations, correct me if I'm wrong, is now finance, project management, commerce, supply chain, and uh, HR. Is that right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's exactly right. But I still see everybody at Microsoft still every conference or every call I've been on any product group they always call it F and O. So I don't know if they're I don't know it's, it, it I don't know if it's just a hard thing to stop calling it that or if that's a, maybe it's officially but they're just calling it finance. But um, everybody still refers to it as finance and operations. So correct me then if I'm wrong. If you want to implement project management, do you still need finance? If you're going to implement commerce, do you still need finance? If you're going to implement supply chain, you've said it still needs finance, right? Is it the same with HR? Yeah, because basically anything that's transactional is tied to the general ledger. So you you pretty much have to have that general ledger in place before you can do anything. Like whenever we start a project, the first if the first sprint of a project is always the chart of accounts because you can do no other work until you get that thing in there. Yeah. So really, all the other things, to implement any of them, uh, you still need to have finance in place. Yeah, as far I don't know of any module that you, that's that's a F, F finance module that you can, can implement. Does project that. management have a dependency? Just because, you know, for a while, project, um, which they're now calling project operations, project operations, uh, the predecessor i know played in the ce space for a while or was built direct on um you know what we call the dataverse nowadays do you know whether there's a dependency for that on finance if if it's the actual projects module inside like it's it's i think it's changed recently i, I like i was i was under the impression that it was a ce app and that was but now I think they're using the projects module inside of finance and operations. And if that's the case, it is, you do have to have um, finance set up because you have project categories that are all tied to general ledger accounts um, in there. So it's got to be set It's up. so hard to keep up to speed with. Yeah, no. It, <laughs> you know, we've been in the, in the game for a long time. And, uh, uh, but yeah, constant changes, constantly things to learn. What about, have you had any experience with the commerce side of things? I have it just, just to see it. I've, I've not actually, not actually used it. Most of the stuff I do, I do a lot of warehouse management stuff. Um, I'm, I'm heavily involved in that. I, 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 I've, the biggest changes I've seen is, is there, you know, the, the power platform and starting to integrate some of those apps into the finance and operations and be able to embed that stuff. That's, that's some of the bigger, bigger areas that I'm seeing a lot of changes in. 
Interesting. Are, are you have you done anything with guides? You know, I see that sits under supply chain nowadays. The whole training, you know, tool with uh, um, Hololens is it? Have you done anything there? I, I have not. Like, I haven't had a customer yet that that's willing to make that investment. You know, you kind of have to have the the investment to do that. Again, it looks really really interesting. Um, some of the things you can do with it. I think field service heavily uses those. Yeah, but the thing is, even buying it, right? Didn't the U.S. government buy just about every thing that Microsoft will produce from a HoloLens um, a while back? It just, I don't see many people, you know, in the last year or so talking much about uh, HoloLens. Yeah, like I said, I've, I haven't had a, even a customer ask about it. It's the weird, I mean, it's a neat technology, but I, I think it's just maybe the price point of it is, is expensive. I can't. I heard one time how much those things were, but it just, I think the entry point of it is so expensive. So it's about three grand, isn't it? Yeah. For a device. But, you know, I look at my computer next to me, it's six grand, Um, you you know, um, a custom built job. So, yeah, I don't know that it's out of the realms, particularly in a a large organization. I I just, um, yeah, who knows? I've always wondered how fragile that thing is too. Like, Like if somebody dropped it, you know, is it ruggedized and... You'd want it insured, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> For real. So so you're in Hitachi. Um, I see. Like, how, how long ago did you get your uh, MVP? Uh, this is my second year. I've, I've just started my second year, so yeah. So how, how did it come about? How, who, who nominated you? How did you get in? What was your interest or what did you know about the MVP program prior to, to being uh, nominated and ultimately entering? Yeah, uh, Joel Joel Lindstrom nominated me, and and where it came about was um, he had a couple of seminars a couple of years ago talking about the MVP program and um, and what it was. I don't think at the time I even knew what it was. Really, you know, I'd heard of it, but I I didn't really know what it was. And I I had been doing some stuff on YouTube and just posting posting various videos on there, but. Um, we went over, you know, what it what it was and kind of what you needed to do and 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 all that kind of stuff. So I just I kind of started doing it. I wasn't really committed to it at first, but then after a while, you know, I started posting something every week, and um, and then really it was it just took it took about a year of posting every every week, and then I he nominated me, and you know I filled out the forms, and about ninety days later I, I had it, so it was, it was great. Fantastic. And I, you've got a cranking YouTube channel. I, I love you doing, you're on point with your thumbnails, your cover art, that type of thing. Um, what's your process for YouTube? How do you, how do you go from, uh, if you like, where do you even, like one of the questions I get a lot, people go, you know, I can't think of what to write on, or I can't think what to do a, a YouTube on. Like, how do you, how do you discover what you're going to do your next episode on? Yeah, and that's funny. Everybody asks me that. It's like, how do you how do you do this every week? And and really, it's anything that I Google is fair game. So you can you can kind of look at the the channel history and see the videos that I'm doing, and you can kind of tell what I've been working on. So you know, I do them a little bit in advance. You know, maybe two or three weeks in advance, but within two to three weeks, you can tell exactly what I'm working on. So anything that that I, I if I'm working on something and and I don't know how to do it. I Google it and then I write it down on a pad and that becomes a video topic. And then, I mean, basically the, the way I do it is, um, I just, I usually, I try and do it, you know, keep about a two week 
buffer. <laughs> I won't say that I'm not ever I post every, you know, it goes live every Thursday morning. But I won't say I haven't been up at Wednesday night at 11 o'clock trying to get it, get it done. But um, I try to keep about a two week buffer, but generally what I do is, is Monday and Tuesday, it's, it's kind of a setup and, and kind of making sure everything's working. You know, I use trial environments. So, you know, you have to set those up every time basically. Um, so Monday and Tuesdays, I, I'm setting it up and, and kind of, uh, getting everything ready and, and can I kind of write down the demo? I don't script it out, but I, I kind of, you know, um, just, uh, get a basic understanding of what I'm going to do and what I'm going to say. And then, then I generally I'll record it on, on Wednesday night and then, and then I'll do, do my editing on, on Thursday and, you know, some, or sometimes on the weekends. So it's really not bad. I mean, I, 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 I just try and make them a little, little bit better every time. I, I didn't, I had, when I started, I had no idea how to do any kind of video stuff. I kind of, that's kind of what I wanted to learn how to do. So I, I started from nothing and, you know, just trying to make them a little better every week. I like it. So what's your tools of choice? What's the software you use kind of, all, what are all the moving parts you use to create your videos? For my screen recording, I use uh, Snagit. So I can, I can use Snagit. It's a, they've got Camtasia too, but it's a little more, it's more over the top than I need. Um, so I use Snagit to do the screen recordings. And then I've got a Canon M50 camera that I record on. And then I've got a Rode, Rode boom mic that I do the video on. And then, then a Rode pod mic for the, for the screens. And then for editing, I've, um, I used to have a cheap editor, but I, I've switched over in the past six months to DaVinci Resolve. I really, I really like wow. it. Is, is that a, a windows based app or? Yeah, it is. Yeah. I looked at Premiere, but Premiere's like $50 a month, and I didn't hear great things about it. So, and, and DaVinci Resolve was a free tool that does basically everything. No. Wow. So it's, wow, it's, that, that's awesome. Yeah, it's a really good tool. And, um, so, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's the basic process. I, you know, I just put everything together. Um, and, and there's, you know, audio editing and, and, and making, trying to make it look, you know, color balancing and that, that kind of stuff, making, trying to make it look good. Still, still, again, still learning, but, uh, but it's, it's a lot of fun. And what about your thumbnails? How are you building those? Uh, through Camtasia. I don't know if you if you've heard of that before. It's just, it, it's, a just, a online tool. Um, Camtasia? Yeah. Isn't that the recording? No, no, sorry. Screen? I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Canva. Canva, 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 yeah, I'm sorry. Canva, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say. As soon as I, I said it, realize, I was like, yeah. yeah, what what feature is that? <laughs> okay, Canva. Canva makes sense. Yeah, yeah, Canva. So I use Canva to do that um, and, and make, and they've got templates in there, and, and I've got a color scheme that I use and a, and a font that I use, and that's actually the hardest thing for me because I've got no design skills whatsoever, so. You, you, honestly, I, I think you're, you're selling yourself short there because these thumbnails are on point for YouTube. Yeah, I appreciate that. I just, that's, that's the part that I really struggle with. I, sometimes I'll sit there for two hours looking at a screen, trying to think of what, what the thumbnail needs to look like. Uh, Cause it's just, it's just not my wheelhouse. That's so cool. Um, are you using anything to track your stats and whatnot uh, on, on YouTube? Yeah. YouTube has analytics. Um, I, to be honest with you, when the, when I first started the channel, I, you know, I would look at it almost every day, but now I, I try, try not to look at it every day. Cause really, I mean, you can, you can make yourself nuts with those things. And, and generally anyway, the videos that I make, I, I make them cause I want to make them and I, I think they would be good to see. I don't try to make videos just because I think somebody's going to like them or, you know, I, I think I'm trying to make stuff that was useful to people, but, 
but there's certain things that I can do, like overview videos get more views than than the specific stuff. But the specific stuff's important because people are looking for that kind of kind of information. So those don't always get the most views, but they're the most helpful, I think. But um, but yeah, I mean, like the past, like I think the last time I looked, I've got you know two thousand subscribers on the channel now, and in the past twelve months, I think there was something like six thousand hours of watch time on there which is just incredible to me, you know. <laughs> yeah, one of the tools I found really effective is called TubeBuddy, which is a browser plugin for YouTube. Yeah, and I've actually used them before, yeah. Yeah, what I like is not so much the stats piece. I mean, heck, that's cool. But what I like is around recommendation of the keywords for each the videos and also um, – making sure that it's almost like SEO optimized for YouTube. Um, you know, so people can find it because, you know, it's a hard work find, you know, if you want sometimes a precise video on something, YouTube now is so big, it can be hard finding what you're looking for unless it's being tagged up well. Yeah. And it, that, that TubeBuddy does do the SEO very well. It'll even look at your description, you know, when you're, when you're typing out your description and, and optimize that for you. So it is, it's a really good tool. Awesome. Oh, look at that. The time has flown. <laughs> I usually only do this for about uh, uh, 15 to 20 minutes. Um, but man, that's that's been so interesting um, hearing about your journey and, uh, and tech and, of course, your YouTube channel. I'll make sure we put this all in the show notes and so people can go check you out um, at the right time. I always like to wrap up with a few quick fire questions. Are you ready for yours? Oh, yeah, let's do it. Okay. They're random. <laughs> okay. The answers will be two. <laughs> great, great. What was the first thing you remember buying with your own money? Uh, it's probably a candy bar, probably a Kit Kat candy bar. Nice, nice. How do you get in the way of your own success? Just by not doing it, like, you know, thinking about stuff and thinking you want to do something, but just putting it off and not actually doing it. How did you like that? Go from a real shallow question to a massively <laughs> deep question. <laughs> Okay, last one. What's something you did as a child that your parents still retell the story today? I don't know. Um, let's see. Golly. That is that's a really tough one. <laughs> that's you, right. We can you've got me them. stumped. I'll, hey, I'll, what I'll do, I'll sub it in with another question that is of interest to me. Okay, all right. What, what do you think the most important thing a partner, a Microsoft partner, can do to create an exceptional culture in a COVID world? The biggest thing that I think this year that's, this, that we've been able to show is that we can do pretty much anything online. Like the tools there now are so great that you can do, there's nothing there that you, you, most of the time we used to have to travel all the time, but there's nothing now that we can't do online. How, the, how does a partner create, like how do you feel connected to Hitachi? How do you feel connected to your colleagues um, and feel that sense of community inside your business. That's probably what I'm asking. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, as far as connecting to the colleagues, I mean, Hitachi is just such a great place to work. Um, like everybody, I, I've been doing this for seven years, but I, I often think of myself as the young guy in the, in, as the as the newbie in the in the room because everybody else I work with has been doing this forever at Hitachi, and, and just they're all willing to help you. Any question, I've never been able. I've never asked a question that somebody won't respond to. And and that's the biggest thing. Like you go to some places and it's, it's very tribal. Everybody's 
has their knowledge and they guard it. So it's real important to foster a, a culture where everybody is, is open and, and communicates with each other. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Scott, thanks so much for coming on the show. All right. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for having me. This was great. Hey, thanks for listening. I'm your host, business application MVP, Mark Smith, otherwise known as the NZ365 Guy. If you want to like the show and you want to be a supporter, check out buymeacoffee.com forward slash NZ365 Guy. Thanks, stay safe out there, and see you next time.